I had a really successful job. I was working in the tech space. I was working mostly in mobile games. So we had six of the top 10 highest grossing apps on the app store as clients. I was flying around the world. We had clients in Europe and South America, obviously a lot in the Bay being in the mobile gaming space, but we had some really, really great clients. Obviously the biggest one was Clash of Clans and Supercell out of Helsinki, this empire of games that we were a vendor towards. And it was really, really cool to be involved kind of on the cutting edge of that, especially as mobile adoption was really starting to take off, right? It was around like 2011 when I joined the company and stayed there for five years. And we scaled that business, it was really great. But at the end of the day, I was like, what am I helping people do? I'm basically helping people spend and waste a bunch of time and money on their phones, you know, like playing video games, you know, I don't really know that that's the meaningful impact I'm here to do. I'm not saying that you couldn't find a way for that to be your meaningful impact. Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast, bringing forth the new wave of rising leadership and helping leaders find purpose, connection, and results. This is your host, founder of Alluviance, Alex Kremer. Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast. This is your host, Alex Kremer. I am pumped about today's conversation. I have one of my longtime friends, coaches, mentors, just people on a great journey here with me who I respect a ton. And so first off, Mr. Andrew Biggs. What up, Andrew? Good to see you, man. What's up, man? So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. And it's been cool to watch what you're up to here with the podcast and the movement and bringing Alluvians to life, man. It's just, it's really cool to witness what you're holding and bringing. And I know that you're helping countless people. I'm really glad to be here and be a small part of it. I appreciate that, brother. I appreciate that. And though, for those who are not watching the YouTube channel, Andrew has a beautiful piano right behind him. He is not just a great pianist. He's also got an incredible voice. I remember hearing you sing one. I don't even know where I heard you sing. It was like on karaoke or something like that. Where I was were like, we, where, oh. did you, well, yeah, it was the ski trip, right? We were up in Tahoe. I did come sail away, uh, <laughs> if I remember, <laughs> and we basically shut down the bar. I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> you got some pipes, man. If I no, could sing like you, man, I'd be letting it rip. Oh, man. Well, let me give a background for those who don't know you. So, Andrew, you are the CEO and the founder of Better Than Rich. And really, the mission of Better Than Rich is to change the world for the better, right? To the extent, wherever we can, by providing wisdom, mentorship, inspiration, education, and really, you know, what I love is the community to the next generation of leaders ready to you know, make a difference within the world. And I love that because that's also really what my mission is and what I'm doing with the Rising Leader Podcast, what I'm doing with Alluvians and all that. And so I'm just excited to hear more about you and what your journey is. And also, what are you really trying to bring to the world? Because I personally received your guidance from you being a coach to me and I was alongside many other sales professionals and sales leaders. And you were really our guide of saying, hey, guys, there's another way <laughs> than just working for the results and trying to hit quota. And yeah. I think you've continued that mission in an incredible way. Yeah, well, thanks for that. And to that point, I think, you know, life's a journey, right? It's not a destination. And I'm still on my journey. And as are you and as is every single person listening to this, there is a time in business and in life to go conquer. And I think, it's really good for us to develop that confidence in ourselves. It's really good for us to go out and eat what we kill a little bit. Like, all right, I'm going to be achievement oriented. 
and you're still achievement oriented. I'm still achievement oriented. I don't really ever want to lose that entirely because there's things to get done, right? There's wood to chop and there's water to carry and there's things that need to be accomplished in the world. But a lot of times what I found is, especially people who are ambitious, especially people who are in business or in sales, where there's this mentality of like, okay, I'm going to go make it. I'm going to go achieve. I'm going to go conquer the business world and I'm going to be a success, quote unquote. They can get lost in that and they can get stuck in that. And that's where you meet somebody who's in their 40s, 50s, 60s or beyond. And they're still basically measuring themselves by the same things we measured in our 20s. And it's like, hey, you probably should have graduated, bro. Like, You probably should have maybe carefully considered what your life is going to be about. If it was just about being a success and appearing to be successful, that might have been a mistake. That might be something that you regret. It really is about, okay, when I find myself at that turning point where I'm hustling, I'm grinding, or maybe you've hustled and grinded and you've achieved and now you're like, well, now what? That's really where what I do comes into play to introduce that other way, that second path, that game B, if you will, to the equation. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people, I mean, from both my own journey as well as many of the people who I lead at my tech job is... People really want to hit quota and drive revenue and they want to be the number one on the board. And that's a great feeling. And I'm like, I'm raising my hand. I'm down to do that for sure. And I think that there's a limiting way that that is because first off, if we don't actually end up hitting the goal that we want, this number in front of us, first off, we think, okay, therefore I'm not good enough. It's like a binary sort of thing. If I hit that, then I'm worthy of whatever it is. Then people will like me. Then I will get the praise they want. And second, if we do even hit that, all of a sudden we just either want more. And maybe there's five minutes of just feeling good that you hit it. And then you're like, cool, I got to hit it again. What's my next goal in front of me? And it's just creating this just, I'm just going to say, exhausting hamster wheel that not many people know how to get off of once you're on it. Hmm. I agree. It's this, I want to key in on that self-worth piece. And I think that that's where so many people who are drawn towards business and sales competition, we have a competitive spirit, right? If you didn't have that competitive spirit, then you probably wouldn't be attracted to some of these things. At least a little bit, right? You have a little bit of that competitiveness in you. And maybe you did sports growing up, right? Or you were competitive in some other way, or you were academically competitive. So you just always have that competitive spirit. And that's good, right? It's tough when we tie our worth to our achievement, though, because no matter how successful you are, you're going to fail at some point. If we look at how many missed shots Michael Jordan has or whatever, it's like we have to condition ourselves to not tie our self-worth and our confidence towards our results. In fact, it's best if we can tie it towards our process, right? Okay, hey, my process is I'm going to show up and I'm going to put this sort of activity in or I'm going to show up and I'm gonna, in this sort of way. You're somebody who meditated every single day for a year straight. And if you worried about the end result of that, oh, was I more peaceful today or was I less peaceful today because of this meditation? And you were kind of measuring it in these short spurts, it would have been probably pretty frustrating. You might have thrown in the towel. And we do the same thing in business and sales all the time. We're looking at the results, not necessarily the process. So that's one thing I want to key in on. And I think at a deeper level, it's okay, then if your self-worth is not determined by your results, what is it determined by? And ultimately, should it even be tied to 
much of the external factors whatsoever, right? If we're not going to do achievement, maybe you do it based on your appearance or something. I think a lot of women are maybe more prone to fall into that. But I think dudes, we can too, especially if you're young and you're single. At this point, I'm married and I don't worry about my appearance as much. Maybe I should. But it's like, if you're a young single dude, you see it in the gym all the time. It's like they're checking themselves out in the mirror and they're holding up the shirt. We all do it at some level. There's like vanity. If it's not achievement, is it your appearance? If it's not your appearance, is it something else? But what what should it be? Is it what kind of car you drive? Is it how much money you make? Is it something else? Well, what should it be is really the question. And maybe it's your character at the very least, right? Hey, I'm proud of my character. I'm proud of how I hold myself, how I carry myself, how I live out my values. Well, I'd much rather be friends and partners and closely connected with somebody whose self-worth is determined by how in alignment they are with their character than someone like achievement or their looks or what kind of car they drive or something like that. That's a much more authentic relationship. And that's somebody I can trust a lot more. And then I even go one layer deeper. And it's like, even when I falter with my character, where's my self-worth? And it's even when I screw up and I even violate my own values. It's like in the eyes of God or whatever you want to call that, the universe, like you are a child of God and therefore you are just as worthy as someone who's completely blameless, right? And also there's people who are quote unquote worse people than you who are also just equal. You are equal to Elon Musk and you are equal to the homeless guy on the street and we're all children of God, so to speak, to carry the analogy forward. How can we get to a place where we see our inherent self-worth simply because you exist, simply because you are you. That's all you got to do to be worthy of love. Hmm. It's tough to accept sometimes because we're so used to measuring it in other ways. Mm, we are already worthy just by our sheer existence. I love that. I, I want to go back to something that you said very early on. I know through Better Than Rich and through various communities that we've both been in, You've mentored and coached hundreds, I'd probably say thousands of people now to this point. I'm not sure what the exact number is, but you're talking about a really big paradigm shift that people get a massive reframe in terms of how they're taking on life when you start to speak like this. Where are you typically seeing people at when it comes to this I'm just trying to hit my number, like I'm in this hamster wheel? And what do you actually do? How do you take them on the journey and say, Let's start to adjust how you're viewing where your self-worth is coming from, what you're trying to do, what you're trying to bring to this world. What's the journey that you typically take people through right there? Sure. A lot of times what we need to examine is what sort of belief systems people have, right? Our belief systems are constantly giving us the frame. It's the lens that we're looking through the world with. Oftentimes I take the analogy of, okay, you and your dog go on a hike you get to the mountaintop, you're looking out, you see this beautiful rainbow. And then we say, okay, who's going to enjoy the rainbow more, you or your dog? <laughs> right now, you might say, well, you know, of course, it's me because I have more neurons and synapses in my brain. And so I'm able to appreciate it more. But that's not the only reason. The other reason that's obvious is the dog is freaking colorblind, bro. <laughs> it can't enjoy a rainbow. It's like, oh, some lines in the sky. The point is that the lens that you have, the filter that you're filtering through the world is different than the dogs. And so you're having a different experience. You have a different belief system than me, than your neighbor, than your coworker, than you know, your parents, than anyone else out there. And so your experience of the world is going to be tinted by that belief system. So what we want to do is we want to look into the belief system. 
a lot of times we're looking at the program level, the app level. Hey, let's improve your sales skills. That's like, let's download a new app. Or let's, hey, a new version of my sales app is available in the app store. Let's go download it and let's upgrade it to the latest version. So I'm the best salesperson ever. It's like, oh, this new app runs a little better. And the way you want to think about that is like, okay, that might give you a 10% lift here, a 15% lift there. I'm going to download my health app. I'm going to improve my relationship app. I'm going to improve my leadership app. I'm going to improve my sleep app or whatever it is that we're always focused on. It's so funny, like even all of these non-sales related things, non-business related things, we're like constantly quantifying and measuring. It's like, how many steps did I get in today? And it's like, how many hours of sleep did I get? I'm stressed about how many hours of sleep I got. What's going on here? What was my sleep score last night? But the whole point is we're playing at this app level. What I really like to do is like, okay, but what's the operating system that they're all running on? And how can we upgrade the entire operating system? So that ultimately, every app runs better on a better operating system, a better designed, a better architected OS. And so that's where we want to play. And that operating system is your beliefs. So we need to examine your beliefs. What are your beliefs around achievement? What are your beliefs around self-worth? What are your beliefs around relationships? What are your beliefs around money? And let's dive into those and deconstruct them. And what we oftentimes is we just picked them up along the way, right? We haven't really carefully considered these beliefs. A lot of times they're inherited and where they inherited from a lot of times our parents. If it's not our parents, it's from society. And I don't know if you've been paying attention to the society, uh, (laughs) but it's not like they have a ton, like they're great authorities. Most of the voices culturally that you're hearing maybe aren't the best authorities. Hopefully you realize that. And that's why you're on the rising leader podcast (laughs) instead of something else. It's like, I don't want to get my belief system inherited from what the society says. And quite frankly, I want to get some of my beliefs from what my parents said, but a lot of it I want to discard. That's no offense to my parents. They're great. They did their best, but they were just picking up what their parents said, you know? So they didn't really know any of this either. So we got to consciously choose our belief systems. I mean, we can go more into that, but I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. I'll apply that to myself. I grew up down in San Diego. My dad was a doctor. He was successful there. I had three older sisters. We had a white picket fence. I was blessed to grow up where I did. It was also very important for my dad to also have the beautiful wife, the beautiful family, the white picket fence. He drove a convertible. He wore the nice necklaces and watches and whatnot. Like He liked to put on this, hey, I'm doing really well. And I recently was at an immersion and we did a whole deconstruction of what are our belief systems and how is that determining how we are actually showing up? And I realized that for so much of what I've been trying to do up to this point in my life, I've wanted the white picket fence, the beautiful partner, the family. I want to be looking cool. And it's not necessarily because that's, you know, who I am or what I truly want, but that's just what I grew up saying. Well, this is what's important. This is apparently what we're supposed to be achieving for. We're supposed to tell the world, look how good I am doing. And I am successful as hell. It took first going in and saying, oh my God, this is how I think. (laughs) This is the root of me actually wanting this. And then you said such a perfect word for it. Then you get to deconstruct it. Then Mm -hmm. it's, is that really what I'm trying to do? Is that the whole purpose of why I'm trying to show up and why I'm trying to do all this sort of stuff? But it took going in there and seeing, 
what are my belief systems? I was like, oh, is he talking to me right now? Or is he talking to everybody else? I think we're talking to all of us. And you know, I still find myself. It's like, we don't know what we don't know. If we think about the unconscious mind and how much of the study of the unconscious mind has picked up in the last hundred years or so, starting with Freud and then getting into Jung and then Carl Rogers and just understanding the underlying motivations Anytime you've ever been like, what was I thinking? It's like the unconscious mind was at play and you were playing out some sort of pattern that you weren't aware of. Here's a quick exercise that you can do, listener. Take out a pen or pull out your notes app or whatever. Obviously, if you're driving, do this later. But just write down, I believe, and just see what pops up and just stream of consciousness. You're not allowed to like edit or judge the beliefs, but just write it out. I'll maybe give a qualifier just to help out a little bit. But it's like, here are my beliefs about sales. I believe... Sales is dot finish the sentence. Sales is super important. Sales is how I make money. Sales is a game. Sales is kind of shady. Sales is, okay. oh, where did that one come from? You know, who told you that? So we can examine the positive and negative ones. Okay. Love is, if you want to examine your relationships, right? Women are or men are. Oh, that'll be a fun one yeah, for you to try out. Money is. I used to have believe money comes, money goes. I was like, where did that come from? Well, probably watching my parents kind of like go in this yo-yo and then me watching me replay that pattern out. It's like, I make a lot of money. Where the hell is it? Now it's money goes, money comes, money flows. And so you can consciously rewrite those and begin to change your story, change those beliefs and really examine, is this an empowering belief or a disempowering belief? It's not that you're trying to lie to yourself. Well, okay, I'm just going to pick the opposite and believe that now. But what is a beginning step or what's a more empowering way to phrase something? Money comes, money goes if you're not paying attention or at least find some way to qualify it so it doesn't become an axiomatic belief that you have to play out. Because if something is really finalized in your belief system, your subconscious mind is going to make sure that happens, right? Mm. Beliefs about yourself are obviously huge. I am dot, dot, dot. I'm disorganized. I am impulsive. I am all the things you hate about yourself. Write them out. Also write all the things you love about yourself. But a lot of times it's those ones that we hate or the ones that we don't appreciate about ourselves that are playing out the sabotaging tendencies. And that's why we don't hit our goals or we always find a way to get in our own way. What is up, y'all? This episode is brought to you by Alluviance. Alluviance is helping sales professionals and sales leaders all across the world master the art and the craft of sales by transforming the inner game. So what does that mean? Here it is. Yes, the sales talk track, the tactic, the strategy is definitely important. But if there's not that underlying foundation that's built upon mental health, emotional health, even spiritual health, I don't care how good that talk track sounds, it's going to fall flat if you're not coming from a sense of purpose, of fulfillment, of meaning in your life. And that's really what we're doing through our in-person immersions. Next one is being held February 23rd through 25th. At our last immersion, we had 50 sales professionals and leaders come from across the world to really do this inner work. And we did things such as breath work, cold plunges, meditations, yoga, things to get us into our body more. And oh, by the way, we talked about what it means to do an effective discovery call, to lead an effective presentation, to negotiate like a complete badass. And really, at the end of the day, we're just a great community of people looking to do the good work and to bring the essence of who we truly are back 
to the world. So if you're interested in checking it out, make sure you check out alluvians.co. Check us out there, submit an application, and we cannot wait to see you there. Oftentimes, we're our own worst enemies. Mm. So how does this now tie into vision? Because I love where we're changing the lens through which we are looking and engaging with our world. We are saying, hey, I am choosing to no longer define myself through just a pattern that I am repeating through not just my parents, but a long lineage of parents on parents on parents. And I'm also trying to draw the line in the sand, cross the chasm and start to redefine how I am choosing to look at the world. I love what you said there. Not money come, money goes. It's money comes, money flows. I just, I love the word flow right there. Hmm. And that's a choice that you are having to realign, so to speak, the synapses within your brain that choose to just not just say that, but start to embody that, start to say that's how I am creating the frequency from my body and attracting that type of energy to me. But then when you tie that to vision, how does vision really start to impact you? Because we've talked about this many times. The purpose of a vision is not necessarily that you attain it. The purpose of a vision is who it causes you to be right now. Hmm. And in order to realign what your beliefs are, do you need to start to become clear on what your vision is in terms of who and what you're trying to bring to this world? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think for sure you need a vision. It's almost like a chicken and egg problem, right? Does the vision call forth the identity or do we cultivate the identity and then the vision comes out of that? And in some ways, a lot of transformation is the answer is yes. <laughs> it's like, yes, both. It's a give and a take. If we do some top-down thinking, okay, who do I want to become? Let's reorganize these belief systems and let's change some things here. Then all of a sudden we start taking different behaviors and then those behaviors reinforce that identity. So that's a bottom up. Those behaviors, each action that I take is reinforcing that identity. So I'm basically getting the best of both worlds. I'm consciously constructing who I want to become and then I'm taking actions that are reinforcing it. And then, okay, well, what actions should I take? Well, actions that are in alignment with my vision. So what's the vision? The way we want to think about vision is like, okay, what's the highest potential good that you could do in the world? And even thinking about you as an individual, well, you know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What do you bring to the table? A lot of times I like to ask people, what's the secret dream of their heart? Or if you had a billion dollars, what would you spend your time doing? After two years of travel and whatever, partying and really living it up, right? Seeing everything you ever wanted to see in the world. It's like, you're going to get bored eventually. So what do you want to do after you have that billion dollars? What problems are really on your heart? What breaks your heart? What pisses you off? At its root, it's almost like you were put on this planet to do something. And that's a belief that I have. I believe everything has a function and a purpose. And so that includes you then if that's true, what is that purpose? And then your vision should be born out of that. I came up with, okay, well, I really want to solve the problem. And one of my mentors, Rory Vaden, at the time, he helped me come up with this. Like, hey, if you can get your problem to one word, you're going to be in really good shape. And I was like, oh, you know, oh, it's unfulfillment. And I was like, ah, that's still a little off. And then we got down to disillusionment. It's like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> like okay, that's it. I'm here to help people who feel disillusioned. And then it's like, okay, cool. How might I do that? And then the practical steps are born out of that. Well, maybe I should help in this way and that way. And that's where I look at my skill sets. 
So it's almost like, what's the problem you solve over here? And then what are you really good at? And what does the world need? And then that Venn diagram in the middle of those things. And if you want to have really a lot of fun, like what could I get paid to do? Name those those three things in because I've seen this before and I've journaled and reflected and learned about it before. But it's a really helpful thing of like, what is my calling? And it's the Venn diagram of name those three things. What are the problems I see in the world? What problems could I solve? And then what was the third one I said? What do people appreciate? Yeah, or- it's like, well, you know, what what would someone pay for <laughs> is maybe another way. So especially if you want to try to have it be inside your world. So, you know, what's the problems that are out there? What skill sets do I have? What are the problems that I could actually tackle? And then if you want to get really big, like, hey, how can I even get paid to solve these problems? And it's like, man, that sounds Awesome. And that's the whole point of like, hey, if you find something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That's what people have done. They found that Venn diagram, that cross section of those sets of answers. And then it's like, okay, here's the short list. And then, okay, you got to meditate on it and figure out what comes to mind, but bubbles to the top. But you do want to pick something because if you don't pick something to a ship that has no destination, no wind is the right wind. And so it's like, you are just going to be thrown about. And I see a lot of people do that. They jump over here, then they jump over here, then they jump over here. And they're like constantly pivoting. But at the end of the day, you do want to pick something at least for a period of time. And I think especially as you get a little older, we talked about like, okay, being achievement oriented for a period of time, that's great. But when you start to get into, I think you said you recently turned 30. Is that right? Or Yeah. Thanks for telling everybody, man. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're old, I'm, I'm 35. So you're... But it's like, I, like, I like 30. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. So it's like the, it's way more fun, by the way, just to like peek behind the curtain. But it's like you get into your late 20s, your 30s. Certainly by the time you're mid 30s and 40s, you should be asking stuff like this. If you're not, please do. But it's like, okay, what really should I be doing? What's a project that I can work on for not a few years, but 5, 10, 20 30 years. And that's really what I see like Better Than Rich being about. I was studying, had apprenticeships and learning and sharpening my sword and figuring out how to do things and gaining these skills so that I could be prepared for the journey. But now I'm on a 30-year journey and that's the way I'm seeing it. So, mm. I like the word apprenticeship right there. I'm reading this book called Mastery right now. Mm. And it talks about feeling first off a natural intuition, a calling, a draw, a resonance to something that we're meant to be doing here. And if I said, hey, I feel a natural call to speaking in front of people about leadership, we don't necessarily have the ability to say, cool, I'm going to throw a massive retreat and speak for people. We're not there yet. But the ability to say, I need to start my apprenticeship working towards that. I need to join a company or learn from a leader or join a community that is committed to the practice of leadership or speaking in front of people and put yourself in situations that are going to F you up a little bit, that are going to sharpen the sword, that are going to fine tune the edges to start to say, hey, we're going to put these challenges. We're also going to introduce you to allies and people who can support you. And we're also going to give you tests along the way to shape you so that when it is time for you to be committed to that, you're ready to go. But that apprenticeship for so long, even you think back to the middle ages or the early times to become a craftsman, you need to go into apprenticeship from the age of 12 onwards. And you weren't allowed to start to advertise and get your own business until seven years of being a carpenter or craftsman. And just the commitment to that, because so often I feel like we want success. We want to just be doing it. Why can't I just do exactly what I want to? 
we're not ready yet. <laughs> and also, we can have an idea of what we want to be moving towards, but it's the feeling that, that gives us if we're holding on to what we think it needs to look like. For example, for me, I'll apply it to myself. If I looked at Alluvians and what I think it really needs to become, the business model, the what we're going to be doing five, 10 years from now, that's going to really force me into a certain type of way. But if I just say, hey, I'm going to allow that to unfold into whatever it is, but right now, put me in, coach. Let me do this podcast. Let me throw as many as immersions as possible. Let me get into the industry. And on the topic of even finding your calling, the thing that I've always felt has helped me identify what am I really meant to be doing here? There's three things for me. It's first off, what makes me unwaveringly present? What causes me not to be looking at my phone, thinking about what I'm doing after making plans? It's like I am so present and here and engaged. I'm not even thinking necessarily about what I'm going to say or how I'm going to respond. And for me, that's why I love doing this podcast. I'm like, man, I just get to have a really good conversation right now. Like it makes me so present. The second thing is what am I innately just curious about? I just want to learn about this. I want to find a book online about it. I want to talk to a person who I think is an expert. Let me watch some YouTube videos on it. I want to learn more about it. There's an intoxication that comes like, ah, just, just feed me more of it. The third one is like, where am I being pulled to? Even as I share that, it's like my shoulders go back a little bit and like my heart opens up. I'm like, wow, that would feel good if I did that. Take a step up and it's a constant asking yourself those questions. What makes me present? What am I innately curious about? What am I feeling drawn towards? And trusting that to take you on your path and to follow that. So I love those questions. And these are for the listener, you really got to ask yourself, is that what I'm doing on a daily basis? And if not, how could I integrate that into my life? Finding some way to do that, finding some way to apprentice where you want to. And that's what I love about what you're doing. I have another mentor who I talk to. He's like, I don't know. I like the whole burn the boats crowd, but I think sometimes they're a little, they're a little loud. It's like, no, secure your foundation and, you know, do something on the side, have a side hustle, work in the evenings. And then, you know, when you're really ready, pull the trigger. I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense too. So the reality is there's endless opportunities to do that. And if you have a favorite TV show, you have enough time to be able to do this, to consider what makes you fully present. What are you curious about? And what are you feeling called and drawn towards that also might even force you to step up? Because if I were constructing this universe, it's like, I would want to put a challenge in front of you that's like a video game. I don't want the game to be easy. Who plays easy games? Nobody. It doesn't make any sense. You know, when he wants to play an easy game, but I can win. So... Is that what you want to do? You want to win an easy game? And I'm not saying we want to make it infinitely hard either and impossible and it's hopeless, but we want to be on the edge of our skill sets. And that's really why I sense is like that third question is it's drawing you towards your edge. And I think that's where we're really going to be alive. When we talk about flow states, that's really what it is. We're on the edge of our skill sets, on the edge of our capacity. And so it obviously requires our full alertness. It requires all our senses. It requires us to be fully present. And so then that creates that cascading of the flow state. And next thing you know, you're flowing better than Alex's hair, you know? <laughs> uh, so it, it's like, that's the name of the game that we want to be playing game. So oh, uh, yeah, come, come join us. Learn from Alex. Alex, learn from people that you emulate. Who do you respect? Who do you look up to? What are they doing? 
And how can I get some proximity as well? Can I go to an immersion? Who am I listening to? What sort of inputs are coming in? I grew up in like a Christian household. It's like garbage in, garbage out. If you go listen to that music, you're going to have bad, bad thoughts or dreams or whatever. It's like, okay, maybe it's a little cheesy, but it's true. If you're just sitting around consuming negative stuff and let's face it, we're always inundated with content all the time, whether it's on our phone or it's our TV or whatever. Content is king right now. What's the quality of that content and what's the resonance of that content and engage with stuff that's actually going to enrich your life. So Yeah, I really like what you said there of flow state, where you said being on your edge actually causes you to enter into the state of flow. Right before you shared that, I was going to ask you the question, like, why do we always have to be at our edge? Why can't we just be comfortable? <laughs> why can't I sit back and just enjoy life, sit on the beach somewhere, and just live a chill lifestyle? What you're saying, though, is because that's not what's going to produce that state of I'm feeling it. Like it, it doesn't produce happiness. We know that you know it actually isn't what you want. It's not in your best interest. You might think it is. On paper, it seems awesome, right? But you're going to get there. You're going to hate it. Or you're going to get bored really quickly. I'm not saying, you know, hey, go take a week vacation. Sure, go. Like, that's okay. That's fine. But after that, what am I doing here? What am I going to do? Just drink another margarita? Then I'm just the fat slob on the beach getting drunk every day? Is that who you want to become? So many people, they have this fantasy that that's what they want. But that's not what you want. You actually do want to be engaged, you want your mind to be, you know, you want to be pushed. You want to continue to evolve. And so often we kind of have that as we're growing up because we're being formed, we're being molded in the fire, so to speak, whether that's academically or it's with sports or it's our character and we're learning all these things. And we relegate that to like, oh yeah, when I was a kid or when I was in college, of course, that's what I focused on. But now I'm an adult and I'm a finished product. It's like bullshit. I hope not. That's really where my mind goes is you shouldn't be a finished product. You're a work in progress always. And I want to learn every day till the day I die and continue to grow. Mm. Yeah, it resonates a lot. I think there's one thing that every, not every, but the new age leader is really starting to want. There's two things in my opinion. And this is the leaders who are going to be transforming the world, the ones who are going to be meeting where we're at as an inflection point, as a world, as a society and changing for future generations. And it's these leaders, they want two things. First off, they want to make meaningful impact. They want to be doing something that is going to positively or meaningfully impact tons of people for good. And they want to find out what their flavor of that looks like. It could be through music. It could be through acting. It could be through having a podcast. It could be through being a sales leader or whatever it might be. But finding that thing that's going to actually make meaningful impact. And the second thing, people want community. People want to be doing it with other people. They want to feel like they're part of something greater than just themselves. And they can look to the right and to the left, look at their crew, the people who are doing it with them, who are not just trying to achieve their own thing. But when they look at something like, damn, that person's doing that, I gotta get my butt in gear. <laughs> That's gonna challenge me to actually step up and even hold myself to a higher level of accountability for the meaningful impact that I'm trying to bring to this world. I agree. So meaningful impact and community, meaningful impact for sure. I had a really successful job. I was working in the tech space. I was working mostly in mobile games. So we had six of the top 10 highest grossing apps on the app store as clients. I was flying around the world. We had clients in Europe and South America, obviously a lot in the Bay. 
being in the mobile gaming space, but we had some really, really great clients. Obviously, the biggest one was Clash of Clans and Supercell out of Helsinki, this empire of games that we were a vendor towards. And it was really, really cool to be involved kind of on the cutting edge of that, especially as mobile adoption was really starting to take off, right? It was around like 2011 when I joined the company and stayed there for five years. And we scaled that business. It was really great. But at the end of the day, I was like, what am I helping people do? I'm basically helping people spend and waste a bunch of time and money on their phones, you know, like playing video games. You know, I don't really know that that's the meaningful impact I'm here to do. I'm not saying that you couldn't find a way for that to be your meaningful impact. In fact, a company like Supercell was really pretty grounded. They weren't really money focused and they had a really cool sort of vibe. I think maybe because they're out of Finland and they just really was just like great people and they're providing jobs. So there is a way to make whatever you're doing feel meaningful and have an impact. But you got to ask, is it your meaningful impact to make? And then the second thing around community, totally agree, dude. I think a lot of people who are high achievers, especially deep thinkers and high achievers, that weird combination... Because those don't always pair together. Sometimes it's high achiever and like shallow as hell. And we kind of know those people. That's fine. You know, congratulations. Good for you. And go do your thing, bro. But I think this deep thinker and this high achiever combo, they kind of grew up feeling misunderstood. I certainly felt that way. I don't know how you would relate there, but I certainly felt that way. It's like, I don't really fit in over here, but I also don't really fit in over there. And I ended up being... Not the most popular kid, but not the least popular and kind of friends with everybody, but also friends with nobody. I had a couple of good friends, but nothing like crazy. But I, I never really felt like I was home. Never really felt like I had that community. And so what's cool about the internet, though, is there's other people out there who can feel that same way. And you can go find those like-minded people. They may not live next door. Maybe they do, especially if you live in a big city. There's plenty of people who feel just that way, who are interested in the same things as you in your town. But if not, who cares? You have it virtually, and then maybe you come together a handful of times a year. I'm a part of a group that I messaged this morning. I was having a rough morning just going through a challenge, and I just messaged them. This eight group of guys that I'm in, we call it the band. And I was like, here's the challenge that I'm facing. And instantly, like a bunch of responses come back because we're like-minded. I don't know if that helps at all. I'm just ranting at this point, brother. But I guess the message, I guess I'm just double-clicking on what you're saying. It's like, hey, you got to find a meaningful impact and you got to find community. You won't go further, farther alone. There are people who you need support with and you quite frankly need to be called on your shit too, where a lot of times that's the other function of the community for me is, yes, I'm able to find like-minded people to support me when I need it, but also to challenge me when I need it. So if you're on your own, you're never going to get challenged. Well, I think a lot of times I'll look at my friends who I grew up with, even my friends who I went to college with. I love all those people. They're near and dear to my heart, but they're not maybe the types of people who I wanted to be in a certain type of community with. And that's why, whether it be through, I mean, there's so many different avenues now to be able to do that. And finding people who are like-minded, who are hungry to do what you're trying to do and who are also open and humble enough to say, I need help and I need a crew to help me get there. Whether it's through a webinar or through a retreat or an immersion or through one-on-one coaching, find something that starts putting you around people that think the same way. And I guarantee you'll say, I never thought about it like that. <laughs> I should start thinking bigger. And that's the type of community we want to develop here. So I have a couple more questions here for you as we get closer to the time. Better than Rich, you're the CEO and the founder 
hell of a name, first off. It really, I think, represents the embodiment of not just who you are and how you live, but also the message. And so I'd love for you just to share a little bit more about what is Better Than Rich. If people wanted to learn more about you and check you out, how do they do so? Yeah, definitely. Better Than Rich is really all about I think it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> we, we want you to be rich. Don't get us wrong. Like We do want you to be successful. And we do teach a lot about how to get rich, how to make more money, how to be a better leader, particularly what we work on with a lot of folks is how to embrace automation, delegation, systemization, those sorts of things inside your business and inside your life to have you actually be able to work on higher level problems on things that are more challenging. And also just to free yourself up for an amazing lifestyle, right? Because one of the reasons why you don't even a lot of times ask the questions that are being asked here on this podcast here today and on all the other episodes of the Rising Leader podcast, sometimes the only time you're thinking about it is this little sliver of time that you have while you're in the car, you're at the gym, and we're always going, going, going. And so that opportunity to free up your time and to buy back and win back your time really affords you the opportunity to ask these deeper questions and contemplate, yeah, what is my purpose? What is my vision? And we're just always running, running, running that so often we don't have the space for the soot that's being drummed up from the bottom of the riverbed to actually settle and actually see through the water clearly. So that's what Better Than Rich is about. It's about helping people discover their purpose, their identity, and then have an action plan so that they can actually do that and to deepen their wisdom and their discernment along the way. Anyways, I'd certainly check us out, you know, go to betterthanrich.com. We have a podcast as well. Alex was on the show. Check out that episode to get started. Dive in with us. We have a business offering called Automate, Delegate, Systemize. So I'll go to automatedelegatesystemize.com, get our free one-hour masterclass on how to win back your time. Oh, that'll kind of get you started. But yeah, man, I mean, the mission is all about helping people focus on what matters most to them. Because we want you to be rich, but we ultimately want you to be even better than rich. (laughs) Well said, man. Well, here's my final question for you. So this show is obviously called the Rising Leader Podcast. What do you, as Andrew Biggs, view as the rising leader? I think the rising leader is somebody who's present, who's interested in achievement, but achievement that is coming from a place of alignment, that's actually an achievement orientation that at its root has something deeper as a result of that achievement. And I think that's the balance between the masculine and feminine poles, that if the masculine is always focused on what we want to accomplish, and maybe the feminine is like, hey, everything's fine. We don't have to fix anything. It's like, well, that's not true either. (laughs) Clearly, if you look around. And so it's this sort of assertive, aligned, directing sort of leader who's headed in the direction of their dreams. They have courage, they have vision, they have passion, they gather support from their community, they're engaging in positive ways to improve themselves, and they're taking care of themselves along the way from their health perspective and even their mental health. That may seem like a lot of boxes to check, and and it kind of is. That's why it's a path rarely tread upon. But if you're really serious, that's the game we're here to play. And you got a great mentor here in Alex to learn from. (laughs) Thank you, brother. Awesome. Andrew, I just got to say thank you. I acknowledge you, brother, for showing up and you dropping, I don't even know how many nuggets on this call. So thank you for that. And also just thanks for being a phenomenal mentor to me and to so many people over the past six, seven years, whatever it be. And to all of our listeners, thank you as always for hopping on here and listening. Think of somebody who might need to receive this message. Share it. Give them a gift of that. So with that, 
have a great rest of your day. And Andrew, thanks, brother. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to the Rising Leader Podcast. Make sure you hit that follow button so you get notified every time a new episode releases. If you know someone who wants to take their lives and their career to the next level, send them this episode so we can all rise together. For more information, check out alluvians.co. We'll see you next time. And in the meantime, keep letting it flow. This episode is brought to you by Alluvians. Alluvians is helping sales professionals, sales leaders, and founders master the craft of sales by transforming the inner game. In the past 12 months, we've thrown four retreats and impacted over 100 tech sales leaders, founders on not just getting better at the craft, but really working on the inner game, gaining clarity on their vision, and also overcoming what's holding them back. The best part is you'll be doing it in an incredible community of high performers who are also trying to do the exact same thing. Our next immersion is going to be this May 3rd through 5th in the beautiful Austin, Texas. And make sure you check out alluvians.co to apply there. Can't wait to see you.